in my worldview, the earth is an animate, intelligent, alive being that feels everything, our intention and our attention. And by going over repeatedly over and over again to the same place, finding a place that can be your sacred offering spot to bring your intention and attention, I think is one of the best ways to start connecting because once you open those doors and open your heart, you'll start receiving, right? And it's not necessarily, oh, I'm going to take medicine from this tree by collecting leaves or something, but you're going to receive medicine from the tree in a different way. Welcome to the Wild Herbs Podcast, where we unpack and uncover the healing properties of wild herbs so you can heal naturally with the plants beneath your feet. I am your host, April Puncelon, wild untamed plant lady, also a botanist and ethnobotanist and herbalist dedicated to teaching you how to heal with plants. If you want to learn edible and medicinal plants, you are in the right place, my friend. Darcy Blue brings back the magic, the medicine, and the mystery of the sacred wild that is within each one of us and that surrounds us each and every day. She helps us tap into that sacred wild and connect with the mystery and the magic around us instead of living constantly in this groundhog day of modern society. Nature is her greatest ally and teacher, and the earth is her sanctuary. And seeding sacred wildness is her purpose. And she's here today to talk to you about rituals and plant wisdom and this everyday sacred and evergreen medicine and the pinyon pine and her relationship with plants and the sacred wild. So let's dive right in. Thank you for joining the Wild Herb Podcast today, Darcy. Thank you. I'm really honored to be here and get to share some of my crazy lady in the woods <laughs> um, musings and thoughts and experiences with everyone. It's, it's amazing to have these experiences and be so connected with the earth and the land that you live on, but we're, we don't live in a bubble. We got to be connected with our people. So... I'm really excited to be able to connect in this little technological way that we have here. Yes, I love it because your work is helps us reconnect to the earth, which we need. We need people like you to help us get ritual and ceremony back into our lives. Thank you for coming out of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> How did the sacred wildness path find you? It was a very unconvoluted <laughs> path. I feel like, gosh, like way, way back when I was in college, it was my last year of college. I went to Smith College in New England and it was the liberal arts college. They're like, you can major in anything. You can do anything you want. And, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to like study stuff that I like. And I ended up taking some botany and some like ecology classes. But I really, I loved plants even as a kid, but I found myself in this period of time where I was like really freaked out because I was about to graduate. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do in the world. And I like was getting depressed and I had this moment out in the woods where I was walking, like just laying on the ground and just like feeling the earth just coming into me and feeding me with everything that I needed. 
Um, and I didn't really fully grasp what that meant at that time, but I had this experience where I was like, okay, the earth is what is going to support me in whatever comes. And then later on, when I left New England, I moved to Arizona and I was in Tucson for a while. And I had this dream that I was like working with plants and like digging up this stuff from underneath the earth that was like all slimy composty goodness. And it was a really profound dream at the time. I was like, oh, I need to work with plants. And so I started working with plants and like studying herbalism more officially. And I had a teacher who was really committed to wildcrafting. And so we were out like in the desert every month with the plants and he on the one hand was very not into the woo part of plants where like the plants is talking to you, connecting with it in a more esoteric or spiritual way. Um, it was very much like the physical medicines and, but I was wandering around outside in the desert with the plants in this, these wild places and was really like receiving a lot from the plants, like almost like downloads and just like really profound, um, connective experiences with the plants around me and the earth around me and like places. And so I really started at that point, that was like in 2003, make connecting in nature, like my path. And there's been twists and turns throughout the years. And I've studied like shamanic traditions, the Indian Mesa tradition. I've worked in other kind of shamanic groups before. And I also like, I found myself through ceremony in those, in the context of those teachings, like my life just very much shifting and like receiving these messages that I really needed to be closer to the land. And so I, I moved up to Flagstaff. I had all the parts of my life that were working really suddenly stopped working and they all like the tables or the legs of the table got knocked out from underneath me. And I was like, okay, nothing is like what it was. And what am I doing next? And I moved up to Flagstaff and this is where the pine tree comes in. <laughs> I like found this property that people wanted to rent out. And there was this big, beautiful pinion tree in, in this, in the yard, basically sheltering this little casita. And this pinion was just like, you need to be here. <laughs> And so I moved up here and hung out with the pinion trees in the juniper pinion forest. And they, I would say the land, the trees, like all of it, it guided me to do some more work with uh, the School of Lost Borders, which is a school that does vision fast ceremonies for people. And so I did a, a training, a facilitator training to um, bring people onto the land to do these fasting ceremonies and like reconnecting with nature while abstaining from food and like really being in a wild and ceremonial vulnerable space. And then I had a child. And so things have been moving very slowly in that, in that realm, but like, it's a combination of like my personal experiences, like just being on the land with the plants and having them really talk to me and change the way that I understood the world around me because it was always speaking to me and then studying with tradition traditional healers and their kind of perspectives on how to connect with mother nature and how to give back and how to be in reciprocity with the earth because we humans can take and take but mm -hmm. that gives back to our mother and like how do we show that we 
are grateful to the earth, clearly like recycling and doing good things for the earth, but they have a lot of ceremonial context for that. And then this other work of bringing people like onto the land for really raw, intense kind of ceremonial experiences, which really transform them and really transform their lives and the ways that they understand themselves and their place in the world. Um, So that's the long, short story. Thank you for sharing your story. The path chose you with receiving that insight when you were laying on the earth and then receiving the dream. Mm -hmm. It's a blessing. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you were open enough to be able to receive that message and to know and to honor it. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. So you have a free ebook, Sacred Wildness, Four Paths to Reconnecting, and I love it. I downloaded it, and I highly Mm -hmm. recommend, if you're listening, to go download it. Go to the show notes, and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can download it right after this podcast. But Darcy, can you share with the listeners a path that they can start implementing today to reconnect to the sacred wild, maybe from that ebook? Or anything Mm -hmm. that comes to you, something that the listeners can start doing today to help them reconnect to themselves and the earth. I think one of the the simplest ways that we can, as human beings, reconnect those lines of connection to the earth or to the wild beings around us is through what I would call sacred reciprocity. In the Indian Mesa tradition, they call it Aini. And it's basically like, this idea that you go to the land, wherever that is, even if it's a little tree growing out of a sidewalk in the city, some being that is like outside the human and go to that place and make offerings, right? If you can do it every day, that's awesome. If you can do it once a week, that's great. But like going to the land and going specifically not to go collecting, not to go take anything, but just to go and give and say, here I am. I'm giving you my gratitude. I'm giving you my attention. I'm giving you my intention. And I want to connect. I want to hear from you. I want to open this dialogue, right? Because I think one, the the practice of offering something is a very ritualistic kind of practice. And our human brains actually really thrive on those ritualistic practices. And it um, helps us to understand what we're doing in a way that's very tangible, right? Like we have an object, right? Whether it's a bundle of flowers or some water or a song that you're gonna sing, you have something tangible that you can do. And it helps us like really associate and attach meaning and value to it. And then you're giving it to the earth, right? And in my worldview, the earth is an animate, intelligent, alive being that feels everything, our intention and our attention. And by going over repeatedly over and over again to the same place, or maybe a few different places, but finding a place that can be like your sacred offering spot, to bring your intention and attention, I think is one of the best ways to start connecting. Because once you open those doors and open your heart, you'll start receiving, right? And it's not necessarily, oh, I'm going to take medicine from this tree by collecting leaves or something, but you're going to receive medicine from the tree in a different way, in an energetic way. Yes, that's powerful. Yeah. I tell people like, 
what is an offering? Like it could simply be a song that you sing and you go to that place and you sing a song. It doesn't have to be an object, but it should be something that's meaningful. People hear, oh, you should offer tobacco to the plants or you should offer this or that. And it's, if you have a connection with tobacco and it's valuable Mm -hmm. to you, you can make that offering and it feels valuable. I grow my own corn and that is my sacred offering is the corn that I grow, right? Because I spent a lot of time with like prayer and tending and nurturing and growing and harvesting and grinding. And so then when I make the offering worth with the cornmeal that I've grown, it feels really valuable to me. I'm giving something away that's really of value to me. And so whatever the offering is, it should be something that is valuable to you. Something authentic. Yeah, that's important to be, then it's more heart centered because it's in your heart and you're giving from your heart. For me, the flute is a good offering to have the flute. And I'm like, oh, the birds and the trees and just let them hear something beautiful instead of blow all the noise that we create. (laughs) We can still create beautiful noise. It touched me so much when I read um, that in your ebook. And also as you were telling it, like it, it gives me, you know, definitely steers the emotions in my heart because it is so important to establish that ritual of giving back to the earth because as you said, it's a living being and it can sense, it can sense everything mm-hmm. that we're doing. And I love how you said, say, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you and open up a dialogue. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I'm definitely going to practice that because I'm noticing even with my dream work and doing, I'm in this women's group and there's a woman who's Lele that's really good with dreaming. And she's say, you know, what you want to learn from your dream. So that intention, what what's your intention? Knowing that you're open to receive and mm-hmm. start that dialogue with the earth and all of the, all the teachers beyond yeah. what we can see. Tree is a great place to go, but if you have a spring or a special rock or just a special place on the land that feels good to you, like it doesn't have to be a plant. I just like plants. <laughs> yes, that's good experiences with non-plant beings too. So that's a good point. I think when when you're talking about reciprocity, it makes me feel like if more humans can do that and practice that ritual you just said, I think we mm-hmm. may be able to live on this earth a little longer. Can you tell the listeners what is the sacred wild to you? What does that mean to you? The sacred wild. Sacred wild. I think it it boils down to this belief in that I have that like the earth is sacred, right? And we are a part of the earth and we have these great movements on rewilding and primitive skills and learning like how to be wild skilled based. But what is wildness? If you look from a traditional culture, like they come from a place of the the earth is alive and this is sacred. This is, that is their primary supporter. That is the way that they make their livelihood is by being in connection with their land. And it's not just about being wild and like knowing which foods together and which plants are medicine and how to build a shelter and how to live in balance physically, but like the sacredness of being alive on this planet that is so unique in the universe that I don't aliens and other planets aside, but it is a very unique experience to be on this planet alive, interacting with the living beings 
around us that is sacred. And for me, I didn't grow up in a religious tradition, but I found myself really needing to find some kind of what is the part of my experience of life that's bigger than human, right? You can call it the divine or whatever. But for me, it was like, okay, the nature, the wildness around me on the earth is the something bigger than human that is sacred to me. And finding ways to connect with that which is wild within yourself is a sacred practice and connecting with nature outside of yourself that's bigger than the human experience is sacred. So I think that's as beautiful to describe. You have a beautiful way with words. You're I mean when I was reading your ebook and everything you can express really well, you know, from your heart. I appreciate that. Um yeah, it seems yeah. The more we connect with the sacred wild, the more our sacred wild opens up and the more we can mm -hmm. be divinely led. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed the more and more I'm connecting to the earth, at least if I'm spending an hour or two hours connecting or meditating outside, mm -hmm. then my day just moves so smoothly mm -hmm. and things fall into place and it's divine order in a way. Versus when I'm disconnected and I'm in here in this box and I'm not connecting, then I'm in my head too much and I'm not in my heart. I'm not living heart-centered. It's like too analytical, thinking too much, connecting with the sacred wild, I think does give us an opportunity to connect, like you said, with our the sacred wild within us that cannot lead us the wrong way. Never. Always going to be divinely led. So you have several courses, which definitely piqued my interest. You have the intro and introduction to shamanic herbalism, which I highly recommend going to Darcy's site and check out. And I'll put a link at the bottom of the show notes. And you also have activating with women's wisdom, which I mm -hmm. love. And mm -hmm. then the everyday sacred workbook, a PDF that you can download rituals and plant medicine wisdom to invoke the sacred. Can you share with us what inspired you to write this book and mm -hmm. one ritual that can help us enter into divine sacred reciprocity? So the everyday sacred, it actually started out as a 28 day email course that I designed and I wanted it to be like something like a small thing that you could do every day for 28 days and something that didn't involve like going on a six hour hike to the top of a mountain, right? Like how do you make these everyday rituals happen in your life? They're simple, they're short, they don't take a lot of planning, they don't take a lot of supplies, but like how do we connect on a day-to-day -day basis? And so it was like a month long, like here's something to do every day. And it focuses around each of the four elements mm -hmm. um, and connecting with those four elements in different ways working with different plants and plant medicines to connect with their wisdom, connecting with stones, doing bathing rituals with water, fire ceremony that you can do with just a simple candle. You don't have to build a giant bonfire to have a fire ceremony. It can be very easy and accessible. So that's why I created that material was to create these easy to go to daily rituals that can connect you with a particular element or a particular aspect of nature or yourself that you're wanting to invoke or spend some time with. 
So that's where that came from. And then the course ran and then I turned the material into this book because I was like, I should let this out into the world more often than I can actually like facilitate it. So I created the workbook to give you a place to, to write down your experiences with it and to work with it over longer periods of time, right? Because 28 days doing something every day can sometimes be a little overwhelming, especially if it's a new practice, right? Or if you have family and you don't have space and free time, like you 28 days, whether that takes four weeks or four months, it doesn't really matter. But the workbook allows you to do it in your own kind of time frame, And you can pick and choose what you work with that day. That's wonderful. And so when you said fire, connecting with the elements, mm-hmm. fire, and okay, it's winter, mm-hmm. why we're talking during this podcast. And you said all you need is a candle, which I'm sure most <laughs> listeners have a candle. Could you guide us with using a candle or fire to, as we're going into the winter solstice too, with the longest night of the year and the light slowly returning, is there any simple practices you could share with us to invoke the fire element (laughs) and connect with the light inside of us? Yeah, you can use a candle. That's a great way to do it. You can also work with just the sun. If you go stand outside your door in the sunshine and you can see, don't look at the sun, but you can see the sun. One thing I really like to do is connect my three primary centers, head, the heart, and the belly with each of the elements. And so you can do this with any of the elements, but to work with the fire, infusing your hands with the heat from the sun or from a candle, like really bringing in that elemental energy into your hands and then placing it into those three centers one at a time and you can spend as long as you like with each of those centers but bringing in that warmth and that light and like allowing it to feed that power center right the the belly is right action right feeling and right thinking right so those are like the three centers that I tend to work with you can associate them with the chakras as well but I like those three centers as the primaries. So feeding them with fire, right? Like gathering the energy from a fire, a small fire, whether it's the sun or a candle or your wood stove that you have going or whatever it is, like bringing that fire into those three centers and really spending time. So what does that fire feel like when it comes into that space? Does it feel good? Does it feel like it's overbearing? Maybe you have a lot of fire in your heart already. Maybe you need to like work on how you tend the fire instead of letting it rage and burn. Or does it feel like it's really nourishing and bringing in warmth and light that you need more of? And like really tuning in to the current state in your own self in relation to that element. You can do this every day for a week with any of the elements and really tuning into your own individual state of being, right? And checking in, what is my water doing? What is my fire doing? What is my air doing? What is my earth? And really spending time like tending those elements within your body and within your psyche and bringing in those elements to, and ask it to teach you really and say, hey, spirit of the fire, can you teach me right now? Can you teach me about my relationship with my inner fire? or the water, teach me about my inner waters Um, and using it as a tool for self-reflection as well and connecting with the element as a teacher. Thank you for sharing that with us. That that is a wonderful practice and I'm definitely going to implement that with the water. The same thing you said, but do it with water. 
Right. Even if it's just like simply drinking from a glass of water that you like ritually set the space and say, here's my intention with this water. I'm going to drink this in and allow it to be my teacher. What do you want to say to me today? For sharing that. Mm-hmm. How has living and embodying and teaching divine sacred reciprocity and sacred wildness changed your life? Ooh, it's not too far to go to say that pretty much everything that I've manifested in my life right now has come from that practice of going to the earth and praying and making offerings and saying, this is what I want. This is what I need. Um, what are the steps I need to take to get there? Um, I feel like my whole life mm. <laughs> is based on that practice. But it's also really, it's really helped me to contextualize when things are challenging in my life. And like when periods of time come that are like where I feel more disconnected from that practice. And I'm like, oh, like I'm in this ebb and flow. And like it, even if I'm not, perfectly connected and doing my ritual every day and doing everything. I continually have people come to me, students who previously worked with me and being like, oh my gosh, this and this. And it reconnects me also. And it's like the constant reminder of sharing this and sharing it, teaching it and like hoping it to grow out into the world. It comes back to feed me when I need it. You know what I mean? And when I'm Mm -hmm. disconnected, it's like somebody will show up and be like, oh my gosh, that thing you said about this and this and I'm like oh yes it really it's it's like being in reciprocity with community right mm-hmm. because no be on and 100% all the time we share when we have a lot to give and then it comes back to us when we're ready to receive which I think is a really important lesson to remember is that we don't all have to be doing everything perfectly all the time right we share what we can and then we need to have community and support from the world around us, whether it's our human community or our plant community or our environment that we live in. Yes. That's that's wisdom. Yep. Ebb and flow, the ebb and flow of life, always shifting and changing. And yeah, your practice is going to change. How you connect is going to change. And that, yeah, that's part of life. And and I love what you're saying about how, your students and people that you've taught have come back to you. And mm-hmm. I've been reading the book Awakening the Heart by Thich Nhat Hanh, which I highly mm-hmm. recommend to everybody. That book is amazing. And mm-hmm. he talks about how he's never going to die because he's taught all these people and these people are carrying their hand. Like he sees them as him in a way mm-hmm. and that the message continues and like rays of light, which is mm-hmm. going out into the world. And so that is the beauty and the blessing of being a teacher is that the message continues and yeah, and you stay connected. And I do think the connection part is really important because we have to have like-minded kindred spirits around us to keep us strong as medicine people, because there's a lot of stuff around us that can dilute our medicine in a way, you know, can uh, tamper it down and make it hard for us to practice all the things that we have to do, the bills we have to pay, the mm-hmm. making sure our children are doing good in school and all those things, all the things. And so I think the yeah. community of like-minded souls mm-hmm. keeps us on the path, the medicine path. I've been doing this, I mentioned this women's group on Wednesday, and it has been mm-hmm. really helping me stay in line with spirit, like staying on that higher vibration 
Um, and so I'm noticing how important that is. Given your deep respect for the earth, plants, and spirit, it is clear that you connect deeply to all living things, including the pinyon pine. And I would love to hear about, you shared with us already how this pine spoke to you and really told you that this was a place to live. And I saw on your website that you have made so much medicine with this pine species, salves and honeys and infused salts, and you've connected with it. And so I just wanted to see if you could share your experience working with this pine and what it's shared with you from a spiritual standpoint and the medicinal. Yeah. Awesome. I will say that I have a deep love for the medicinal trees. It's always been a thing for me, even before I was living in the pinions, the trees have always been like such big allies for me. And maybe that's from like Celtic Druidic kind of ancestral roots, um, but really love the trees um, and tree medicines. But the pinion, like I said earlier, it's like I was sitting under this big giant pinion in this place where I was going to move. And she was just like, so sheltering and so nurturing. And I don't know if people have been to Northern Arizona or New Mexico, and this is a really intense landscape. It's really dry for a lot of the year. There's a lot of wind, there's a lot of sun, and it's not like what we'd call a super lush landscape and can be really harsh. And you see these pinion trees and they're like twisty and muscular and growing up in like crazy designs and patterns because of their habit of growing where the wind is blowing them. And they're so strong. They're so like rooted in this earth that they live on, right? Their tap roots go down to access the water that's under the surface, even if it's not been raining for months on end. And it doesn't produce every year. So like the pinion nuts, like the cone comes onto the trees. I don't know, it's five to seven year cycles. And I think it is highly dependent on how much moisture we've gotten. Um, over the winter and through the summer. And it's like this whole process where the cones form a year and a half before the seeds will be ripe. But the, the first year that I lived here, this pinion tree was raining pinion nuts all over the place. It was just like all over under my, in my yard. And I was like on the ground picking up pinion nuts and eating them and just being like beside myself with joy that I'm like, food is falling out of the sky from this tree. But she's just, she like feeds the pinion jays. Like the nuts are really an important source for the jays that live in this environment. And she's like nurturing so much in this environment and providing so much in this environment, shelter and shade and food and medicine. And I sat with these trees and I was out on the land wandering around and I would find these giant blobs of resin because pinion is one of those pine tree species that like produces a lot of resin. We have white pines and ponderosa pines and jack pines and Jeffrey pines and all these different pines that grow all over the, the country, right? But pinion is just like oozes with this resin. Anytime the tree is wounded, it's just dripping all over the ground. It's like tree gold. It's amazing. It's really this super strong medicinal compound that the tree makes to protect its own wounds, right? And I think it was the guy who runs Floricopia. I've forgotten his name, but I was in a class with him once and he was talking about resin and how it's like the immune system of a tree. 
And so when the tree is like giving off this resin and it's like littering the ground around you, you're like really collecting like the blood and the immune system of a tree and then putting it to use for your own healing. Um, and it's such a gift, right? Like such a powerful gift. And I think that goes for all tree resins, whether that's frankincense or um, other resins that are used medicinally or in sacred ceremonial context, right? So the pigment, it's giving off medicine and food and shelter, and they're so strong and so resilient. And I was just like, these trees are so mothering and they represent the divine mother in a way of holding space and hold, nurturing and providing and but also teaching us how to like really allow the winds of change, the winds of life to shape us and make us more mm. beautiful rather than it being like, oh, this thing has broken my limb and destroyed me. It's more like this has shaped me into this unique and beautiful tree or this unique and beautiful being that is shaped by the experiences of living in this intense environment and the winds and the sun and the droughts and that kind of thing. So really teaching us how to like allow ourselves to be guided and grow through the changes that our life throws at us and the winds that can throw us off track, so to speak. And I think it's really interesting that it grows interdependent with the juniper that grows here, mm -hmm. um, the juniper trees. And we have several different species of juniper trees as well. And like they nurse each other, like a small juniper tree will grow under the pinion and a small pinion mm -hmm. will sprout underneath the juniper tree. And it's really, there's a beautiful relationship between those two. I feel like pin pinion's more like the mother and juniper's more like the grandmother. And again, she produces a lot of food, a lot of juniper berries for wildlife. And the coyote poop out, the, out in the forest is full of juniper berries right now. And literally this morning I was out there taking a walk and I was like crawling under the trees, collecting pinion resin because it was just all over the ground and collecting juniper berries stuffing them in my pocket because they're just the trees are weighted down with them and it's been a really abundant year in that way and there's a lot to say about pinion medicinally like the resin is super potent as an antimicrobial it's a fantastic expectorant and so what I will do is like either use the topically on the chest or the lungs or like in the sinuses to help move damp cold mucus it's a very warming and stimulating medicine um, I also will tincture the resin if it's really clean resin it doesn't have like lots of dirt and needles and whatnot in it you can tincture it in high proof alcohol and then use the tincture internally to help move damp cold mucus in the respiratory system or you can melt it into honey and make it into a syrup which is a really mm. delicious way to use it and that's just the resin right and that's I would say the strongest form of the medicine it's fantastic as a salve for like cuts and scrapes and protecting windburned skin it's also great at drawing out like thorns and we have a lot of cactus so we get cactus thorns but splinters that kind of thing um but I also really love working with the needles of the pinion pine. And that's something that they're both kind of year around year round through the winter or the summer. But the needles, like, and this is true of lots of pines, is really high in vitamin C, really aromatic and really stimulating and opening to like the head and the sinuses and the spirit. I feel like it's one of those aromas that just 
like you're open and available and you're grounded. You're not like too high up in the sky, but you're like here in your body and here on the earth, but also like open and available to the bigger sacred divine, whatever that you connect with. And it, I think it's really great for moving stuck emotional energy, especially like in the darkness of the winter, we can get seasonal affective disorder, depressed, taking a little bit of pinion needle. I make an elixir. That's like a, it's a mm. tincture with honey, basically. Um, mm. It's really delicious. And it just it helps to move away the dark clouds and bring in that element of openness rather than like heaviness. And, and in terms of like elements, I feel like the pinion is really connected with the element of air, but also the element of earth. So you have this really nice dichotomy of elemental energy um, that can be really healing for people, especially if they're like down in the murk, right? <laughs> down in the underworld. <laughs> and you're like, I need some kind of like support to help do that work. It gives you that space to breathe. It gives you that air to, okay, now I can breathe and move through these difficult emotions or feelings. And it's really strong and grounding too. So it's just like, gets you rooted, but also gets you that space to open up. Thank you for sharing all of that. I love how you said that the pine lets the wind shape, mm-hmm. you know, the wind shapes the tree and it bends and it changes almost like a bonsai tree. And it's not resisting that. And it can live in this harsh environment, but be this beautiful tree mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. give so much medicine. And so that is a beautiful analogy that you gave us with life and mm-hmm. the, the winds of change and not letting that make you rigid to where you can't grow from it. So thank you for that. That was beautiful. And I was, I felt like I was with you or your pinion pine and seeing it change and move. And the practice of bringing a tree inside, a holiday tree inside, so the old pagan tradition, seeing that evergreen tree inside during the darkest nights to give us strength Mm -hmm. and resiliency as I think about them, as you're saying, as being so resilient and that resiliency transfers to our body and mm-hmm. yeah, the evergreens. Thank goodness for the evergreens. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing all your knowledge and wisdom and connection with the pinion pine. Definitely inspiring. It's a beautiful connection that you have with the pine, the pinion pine. One thing that you said that really stood out to me, and I want to close on this is mm-hmm. wildness listens to its own innate wisdom and rhythm. I'm going to say that again. Wildness listens to its own innate wisdom and rhythm. And I love that sentence because just like what you were saying with the pinyon pine, how it's getting shaped and moved, but it's still giving so much. It's living within its own wisdom and rhythm with the mm-hmm. seasons. And I think as you were guiding us and giving us different practices for us to connect to our sacred wildness, that as you connect the listeners, for you who is listening right now, as you're connecting to the sacred wild and your own wildness, you can listen to your own innate wisdom and live within your own rhythm and not anybody else's, but your own rhythm. Because we Mm -hmm. all have that amazing intuition And that sacred wildness inside us that all it needs is for us to listen and create space for. And so I really appreciate you sharing with us ways 
very beautiful ways for us to connect with the sacred wildness outside our doors and inside our bodies. So thank you. So Darcy, what is the best way for people to stay connected with you? So currently signing up for my email newsletter mailing list, which comes out periodically, sporadically. It's not a regular thing right now, but that's how I announce new offerings, new courses, and anything else that's going on. So that's the best way to get direct information about upcoming offerings. I am on Instagram. Sacred Earth Medicine is my handle there. And it's a mix of personal and professional and plant exploration. So those are the two best ways to find me in the world right now. My website is www.sacredwildness.org. So that's where you'll find all that information. And Darcy has wild medicine community boxes. So if you sign up by January 15th, you can even sign up for the whole year and you will send them medicine. Can you tell us a little bit about what would be in a box? Yeah. So each season, so there'll be four boxes through the year. You'll get in the mail a box of six different medicines that are seasonally cultivated, freshly made. A lot of it's wildcrafted or from my gardens. I really focus on bioregional plants as much as I can. I probably can't grow enough peppermint. So I do buy some things like peppermint and chamomile and that I use it in a large quantity. But I really do try to focus on bioregional medicine and working with the local plants. And so the, each of these medicines will be curated and crafted from what's growing currently, what's seasonally appropriate that we're going through in our physical bodies to support in the spring, like liver and circulation and digestion and getting things moving. Right. And then in the summer, like how to cool down and how to like stay calm and collected in the heat of the season in the winter, that'll be immune system support. So there'll be six different medicines in each box, a couple tinctures, some tea, some oils, and different ways of using those medicines. I'll include like a little newsletter type thing to tell you how to work with each of those medicines best. Um, that is so a that's great four offering. times a year. Four times a year. That is a great offering. That would be a really good holiday present too, for someone to get someone for a whole year, mm -hmm. someone who maybe wants to work with herbs, but really hasn't, doesn't have an apothecary. Mm -hmm. Thank right. you so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. And I look forward to having you back on the show to talk about ceremony with plants because we wanted to touch on that, but we'll have to talk again to have that conversation. So definitely take the time to go to Darcy's website, click some links below in the show notes. I'll have a link to her free e-guide and I'll have a link to her ebook, the Everyday Sacred Workbook too. So thank you, Darcy. Uh Yes, thank you. I really appreciate it. Now is the time to bring to your mind's eye, where will you make your offering? Where will you practice sacred reciprocity? Do you have a beautiful tree in your yard or a garden that you connect with? And I highly recommend practicing this ancient ritual that Darcy explained so well. It will bring the magic, the mystery, and the medicine back into your life. I pinky promise. Head to the show notes to check out all the wonderful links and Darcy's free ebook. You want to nab that right now. Be well, friend.